Welcome to Lost Link, the podcast with Muff Barber and Yogi Nickerson, where CL data is disabled and no topic is off limits about unmanned aircraft or the United States Air Force. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the participants and do not represent the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other federal agency. This podcast contains some profane language and is not suitable for all audiences. cheese from Alsace-Lorraine. <laughs> Heavily fought over a part of the world, at least uh, the early part of the 20th century. Yeah, Alsace uh, region was a part of Germany for like 400 years, and the French took it back, and in the 1800s... Did they take it or take it back? I don't know. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's hard to say who on what. I'm not a regional expert, but yeah. I know there was a... In the 1800s, big war fought over that. Otto von Bismarck, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, the Franco-Prussian War, I believe okay. is what it was called. So I was up on deployment up to Ramstein, and I'm not going to get into that too much, but I, uh, needless to say, I was I went up there hoping that World War 2.5 would kick ba- kick off, Yeah. and I would be really in some deep shit. Needless to say, that uh, didn't happen geopolitically, uh, and the... Though there was some good stuff, and I worked with some fine people who I very much enjoyed working with. Um, Living conditions were also kind of not so great. But the one really undisputable upside was I pretty much had every weekend to go travel if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, And it turns out I met a lady, a very fine lady, and her her mom came out, um, and it got a little more serious. Yeah. And they had planned a trip down the, the Rue de Vent, the wine route in Alsace, the world-famous one, for several days over a long weekend. Never heard of it. And uh, <laughs> that's not that's not the Rue de Vent's fault. Yeah. It's your fault, bitch. <laughs> the, um, I, I Un- never, uncultured. I had never heard of it as well. Gotcha. I knew about the Alsace, but I didn't know that it had, like, some special thing. Anyway. Um, the Napa Valley of... Uh, yeah, a the German one of French several border. French Napa valleys, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they have fucking wine everywhere. Um, I get invited to Third Wheel with uh, on this mother daughter trip, oof, because it was serious enough, and like I had to go, right? Yeah, and you know, uh, it's like the hitch thing, right? This is not about the lady. This is about the friend in the movie in the movie Hitch, but in this case, it's about winning over the mom, right? You win the mom, you win the girl, right? Yeah. So I go in there with that mindset, right? Like this is all about impressing the mom. Anyway, about three days in to this four and a half day trip, we stop in a little French hamlet, wine hamlet called Kaisersburg. And the French are big jerks when it comes to service, <laughs> and they don't really like Americans. And over the past three days, I've been trying to keep my cool at the state of like French cafe and restaurant service and the way we get treated, how slow it is and then how rude they are. But when we're walking through Kaisersburg, the most friendly cheesemonger you've ever seen is standing outside his little shop, cute little shop, uh, asking for free, if anybody wants free samples and he's got a plate of like this really stinky, delicious 
uh, sm- deliciously smelling yeah. uh, stinky cheese. And so I come up, and he's got pretty good English. He's smiling, happy to talk to us. And I'm, so he reels us in a little bit. <laughs> reels us in just a little come bit Come on more. in. Yeah, yeah. See what else I've so got. we try that. The cheese is delicious. And he's like, oh, so you really like this. Um, why don't you come inside? we got a couple more. You can have some more free samples of some of the other cheeses, too. I'm like, okay, sure. And so we go in there, and they've got just, it's just a relatively small shop, and on these counters are these rounds of cheeses with little wedges cut out of them. And so he goes in, and he just starts, and there's no price tags, no names on any of it. And he just goes, okay. And he starts shaving off little pieces of different cheeses and having us try. He's like, and then he's like, and eventually, you know, he he escalates, right? Uh, Are you interested in uh, taking some of this? Like, you really like this one. You want to take some? Not, not too big a piece, just a little. I'm like, yeah, okay. And so then he... He goes, you want a big piece or a little piece? And he's like, got his knife over the cheese wheel. I go, a little piece. And he goes, okay. And I'm like, no, no, a little more, a little than that. And he goes, okay. And he (laughs) rings it down a little more. Uh, And then I'm like, okay, fine. He cuts it, right? And then he goes, what about this one? And so I end up getting three in that way, right? And I'm thinking three little slices. They look like cake slices, like biggish cake slices. Not, Not too big a deal. I'm thinking, hey. I'm maybe paying 50, 60 bucks. You know, it's a little pricey. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is Alsace. I am with my uh, girlfriend's mother who is into wine and into cheese and stuff like that. Yeah. We can have a little charcuterie, little chargucci uh, later, <laughs> right? And it'll be at under my largesse, right? And all yeah. this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. And so he goes and he's he vacuum back. So he's already vacuum bagged up the cheese, right? Now he's putting it on the scale to weigh it to to see the price. So I'm like, yeah, 50, 60 euro, which is equivalent to 50, 60 bucks with the current exchange rate. It's like one for one. First one goes on there, 80 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> what? Uh, immediately uh, doing the math. Like, yeah, I'm like, fuck, that's 240. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> dear God, right? I'm like okay, okay, maybe, maybe we'll see, we'll see. And I'm just, I'm just kind of in a sh- bit of a state of shock as well, doing a little mental processing. But the gears have definitely slowed down, and I'm just out having a slight out of body experience because I, I, <laughs> I hate being taken by salesmen like this. Yeah, and I can't believe that it's happening to me again. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to get out of it. And I'm just hating everything that's happening right now. Hey, you got the mom with you. You can't be like, Exa- yeah. And tell dude, this, tell this French guy, hey, go fuck yourself, you and your cheese. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, because <laughs> like, dude, I have to save you face right got now. Me. I, so I have to save face right now. But then the second one goes on. That one's a hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, it's gonna be. It's not gonna be that bad, right? Like the other one's like no more than a hundred bucks. But apparently, the last one was a tr- a goat cheese with truffle. And this is the last one that he had sold me, which I think he did so deliberately after he got me in the buying mood, right? And throws this one on the scale. This one by itself is like 160 euro, right? And I was just like, oh my (laughs) fucking God. So I'm paying like well in excess of 200 euro for this. Maybe I think it's like 300, I don't know. Yeah, But like uh, math, 80 plus 100. 180. Plus 160. Yeah, three forty. Yeah, so I was paying three forty euro for like all this cheese, and he's like, "Thanks me," and I'm just like, still kind of like, right? And I'm walking out, and I'm hating myself, struggling to think, struggling to process. And the mom goes up to me and goes like, "Hey, uh, 
pretty expensive. Were you, you weren't planning on paying that much? And I was like, no, no. <laughs> she goes, yeah, I would have just walked out of there if I were you. Like, why didn't you walk out of there? And I'm just like, God damn it. And uh, I got made fun of the rest of the day and, frankly, the rest of the trip. Although, uh, Muff, I believe you can vouch for me. We've had some of one of them that I brought home. Oh, it's excellent. Uh, Absolutely excellent. Even my wife quite, was quite like, good. this is some of the best cheese I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't, maybe, maybe it was warranted, but I don't don't feel like I want to pay 80 euro uh, for a small cake slice worth of cheese. It, it is again. unlikely that you happen to walk into the best cake shop in all, or sorry, cake, best cheese shop in all of Alsace-Lorraine or even France. So uh, I, uh, <laughs> I did not... I did not come back with my victory laurel wreath like yeah. I wanted. You know, I wanted World War 2.5 to kick off, you know, but if someone's got to do it, I got to fucking be there. Well, I, it might as well be fucking me. Yeah. But uh, that didn't really play out. But I did get to bring back some stinky, delicious cheese. So that there you go. And potentially a lady. Uh, all right, Yogi, it looks like uh, you and I are lost link. Once again, this time... Uh, back live, uh, Yogi's returned uh, to the States. Gloriously, victoriously. Victoriously. Um, well, victoriously, maybe a little less gloriously. Well, did all the mapping for sure, um, <laughs> which is uh, awesome. Uh, so welcome back to Yogi, but we're not going to sit on uh, that subject long. And so we're going to move on to um, a discussion that we casually had, but we're going to flesh it out here. Uh, prompted by one of our listeners uh, who, maybe, some future Lieutenant Donalds, I don't remember what school uh, he is going to. <laughs> but Don't you feel loved? But I look forward, <laughs> I look forward to maybe seeing him here at the FTU here in short order. Um, but he had a question about Air Force traditions. Uh, he's listening to some of the, the show and is curious. Uh, he's been selected for RPAs and he's curious if we have like traditions, like traditional Air Force stuff that like goes on in the fighter world or elsewhere right um like he was specifically asking about like first fridays and roll calls and things like that and i'm quite happy to report that uh to you joe joseph donald's whichever one you choose to go by um these traditions <laughs> they are alive and well inside of the rpa community well-ish uh, but we, we don't really know. We don't go to many fighter things to see how close we are to the, to the mark, right? Uh, when we, when we do these things, but our fighters, the mark. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's, but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. it's probably the assumption. Yeah. We're asking the deep questions here, yeah. but that's typically what I think, uh, people think about when they're thinking roll calls and, yeah. uh, first Fridays and crud and beer lights. And most squadrons have a squadron bar of sorts. But some of the combat squadrons, so like Whiteman had a decent little heritage room slash bar. Uh, Creech does not. Yeah. You've never been, but the, the problem with Creech is that it's too far away. Yeah. Uh, and it's a 30, 45 minute drive. Surprisingly, together, right? the AFSOC squadrons have some pretty nice bars at Cannon. Yes. Uh, I don't know how much service they get, but uh, they look After their they 13 hour shifts. But they, they, <laughs> but they look nice. Like I was, I was, I was pleasantly piqued by how nice their their yeah. bars looked at the they're uh, in the thirty thirds. Gotcha. And this was uh, while you were there playing crud. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. It yeah. Was. So crud is a a pretty big thing. Like it to be. Yes. Um, and like all the like most clubs, right? Holloman Club has a crud table. Nellis Club has a 
crud table. There's crud tables at the basement of the Auger Inn at Randolph. Yeah, the Ramstein Club had a had a snooker table that I don't think ever got any use when I was there. <laughs> Last six seven months, I, but like it was there with like the balls and the rule set up there. Yeah, so they were. Yeah, it was ready. And so we're trying and we're trying to establish that inside the RPA community as like a, a tradition with our annual Reaper Smoke thing. Yeah. That you pioneered, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. He's being humble. Um, we have a lot of that tradition kind of baked in, or at least we're trying to, right? Combat squadrons have an issue with roll calls, right? Because the squadron normally has a, a full-time mayor. One guy who is selected to be the kind of social nexus wow. of a place, right? Maybe. May, that Maybe so. Uh, well, that's that's the twentieth. Never had a mayor. Yeah, right. So RPA combat squadrons do not because they yeah. don't get a break. It's twenty four seven all the time, yeah. and you're basically operating as three individual mini squadrons led by a flight commander, right? Uh, and so you have your roll calls at somebody's basement, <laughs> yeah, or some other place, or sometimes in the in the bar. Yeah, I didn't mean to throw a wrench in your mayor stuff or take you off the rails there. But I only brought it up to say that I was shocked when I got to Holloman. Uh, it was like, cause all I had known was the 20th and, yeah. and kind of rotating, you know, ad hoc mayors, like on a case by case basis. Right? right. And you're kind of having to plan the roll call bespoke every time. Uh, and it was much more the same thing every time. And you have the same mayor, like you have a mayor, that the squadron commander kind of like signs off on. It's like, you're going to be the mayor. Yeah. And I was like, what, what is this? What? So that was kind of mind blowing for me. That's the only reason I brought it up. Uh, mind blowing at the combat unit. No, at, when I got to the 29th. Oh, and you got here. Yeah. I was like, there's only one mayor. What the fuck yeah. is this? Like, and, they, and they usually, I was like, that, that don't, I've never heard of that before. And then you were like, yeah, that's the way it is. And I'm like, what? And they <laughs> usually have some distinguishing thing, like a yellow jacket that they wear. Or in yeah. the 29th, there's a headset, a, head, a headdress. Yeah, headdress. Right. Um, I don't know if the ninth has Ghost a... Warriors. Yeah, I don't know if the ninth has a specific thing. but It could. Um, but it's the same, right? And you want it to be some tactically like competent... I think, I think Tink might be wearing like some Crusader outfit. Oh, like really? He's the <laughs> mayor at the ninth now. Uh, I remember Posit at the 20th bought a... He went to Korea and he came back with a jersey of some sort. And on the back, it said the fucking mayor. Oh, yeah. And I think his intent was that like every mayor wears it. Oh, yeah. But it just hung up in the weapon shop the entire time. And I yeah. don't think anybody really wore it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm the wrong guy to be pushing that stuff. So these things, <laughs> these things exist uh, inside the RPA community for sure. And just because there's a long storied. Uh, history of these things that often I think gets muddled and kind of lost and like we just keep doing these things but there's no like sage book that says this is why we do roll calls this is the history from you know World War One with a lack of radios and you had to be like who the fuck survived yeah right? let's have let's call the roll and see who is dead I feel like me most people understand that but I do see that your point that there's no Federalist Papers right for, for the bog standard air force tradition right and why is it important to alibi if you're not going to be there like, why are you like supposed alibi, to call ahead alibi a roll call yeah and be like yo i'm not going to be there here's but somebody needs to know yeah right um and that's all world war one and 
to tradition and shit like that, right? Yeah. And like when somebody new shows up to the squadron, why do we, when you say, hey, int- introduce yourself, come on up, tell us about you, about yourself. And as soon as they start talking, everybody's like, ah, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's because they're, they're, re- they're what's the equivalent to a replacement, yeah. right? And they're going to be dead in two sorties when they're over top of Berlin, they get their shit shot down, yeah. right? So I don't want to get to know you. I don't want to know shit. Just <laughs> that's true. That's darker than I. Yeah, off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah, but but yeah, but it know, makes sense. Yeah, and in aviation and dangerous worlds, it's kind of been made fun. That, yes, that dark thing has been gallows made fun. humor, man. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it is a way of coping, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so all that shit is lost. <laughs> it's not understood, like at least commonly, commonly widespread, correct? Yeah. Um, even like. Unit history is kind of slapdash and kind of silly when you, you know, you have a lieutenant or somebody who's supposed to come up and provide some history for the unit. You can't just call on any fuck randomly. You have to yeah. seed that. Well, I, yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a history of the 20th, which was just like completely farcical, right? It was just a complete parody history. Yeah. That like based, like touched on like a little bit of the Vietnam stuff and the, fact history with like the bird dog and stuff but it was primarily written as just like a humorous piss take yeah on on the history right and that's like got read for the b flight roll calls for a while right but it was not a real history and if we really wanted to do that we would have had to call on someone else yeah not me well you you would have they would have had to tell you yeah hey i want a, a real history here so get you got three minutes to give out some badass story about this unit's past Right. And all that is about tying you to the larger story of your individual unit, which, yep. you know, the unit's history inside of the Air Force as a whole and ties you to the larger organization. There's a certain, I hesitate to use the word religiosity to it. But uh, I don't think that's totally incorrect. Totally incorrect? No, I don't think that's totally oh, okay. incorrect. <laughs> um, but so that stuff is hugely hugely important do you agree yes okay um why is that tradition so deeply important to dangerous work uh there's a few in my mind there's a few reasons for that i guess sticking to like the air force or even like the military context in general uh like dangerous work like you said it provides uh so like the traditions in what we're talking about so far it's like uh it forms the basis on which you can, ha- because there's a sense of the organization being larger than itself, right? It forms the basis for the potential sacrifice of the self, right? In the service of that thing that is larger than the self, right? And and not just like in terms of your life, potentially that, but like um, sacrifice of your time, right? The upholding of integrity or other things on the behalf of the organization that might be inconvenient to you in the moment, right? Um, If you feel and have internalized like this sense of a grand past of the organization and a worthy large history um, that was large and glorious before you and will be large and glorious after you and will go on after you, um, that forms the the prereq it's the prerequisite for sacrifice on behalf of that organization. I am not going home until this student has received all that I can give and all that they deserve because Ira Bong would not go home. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And if, but like, if you don't know about that, and this is just a place where you go to work with bosses, it's no different than working at McDonald's, really. Right. If you don't, if that's how you feel about it, right? Like, this is just how you get a paycheck and like, da da da, all that kind of stuff. Like, that, those sorts of sacrificial, that spectrum of sacrificial actions stops making sense on all levels. Um, it just becomes a transactional job thing. And the military and the, has traditionally wanted that higher commitment, right? Uh, and sought it. And, one could argue whether it was worthy of it or not, but certainly wants that from its people, right? And has relied upon that. So that's why, and especially in the military context, like tradition, one reason why it's very, very important right off the bat is you need to feel like it is larger and worthy worthy of sacrifice as a, as a precondition for said sacrifices, which could be of your time, Right of your convenience, or, yeah. or or potentially of your life, right? Yeah, um, those are the things, right? Right. Um, the current wing commander at Holloman has like his mission priorities, or his, you know, have, yeah. Wing wing commanders always come in with a mission first, people always, or I hate that. <laughs> I know, uh, people uh, I know that that mission was, first, people always. I know that that was a. Uh, a slogan of the 25th attack group at one point. Uh, but yeah. I, I find that pretty fatuous nonsense. Yeah. Right. Cause you're talking about both sides of your mouth. Like which, which is it right? You use, you're using two extreme or like, uh, like maximal words, right? Yeah. First and always. Right. And you're putting them up against each other. Which one is it, man? It makes no sense. And which one is it, man? Like there's, they're different. They're ma- They're different in what they, which aspect of maximal, Yep. usage that they are that they are but they're both basically all in i'm all in on mission but i'm also all in on people yeah and it's like well that doesn't make any sense man right um you only have so many chips yeah the, the real answer is enlightened self-interest tells us that it's mission first mm-hmm. must be logically mission first but that people it's the whole reason that people are here but that pres- <laughs> yeah right this isn't a this isn't a <laughs> a funding thing right yeah but, uh, or, you know, uh, it's not a jobs program. It's not a jobs program, right? We're here to do something. But enlightened self-interest tells us that taking care of people and maximizing that, maximizing that to a certain extent, right? Like in practice, it's usually people. Um, there's very few instances where like mission actually eclipses people. I think it can in the current state yeah. of world affairs and yeah. the Air Force, right? Yeah. yeah. But like that, people is very important and should be an extremely high priority. And if we understand that to be the case, we will actually get more mission more of the time right. in the long run. Yeah, so right? the cur- uh, is really how I view that. But the mission first people always think I think is deliberately misleading. So the wing, current wing commander specifically stated that it's mission first, then people or airmen, yeah, and then that. his third one. And the reason I bring all this up is heritage. Yeah, it is the th- it is the third component of this like trifecta of things that you got to get right to create yeah. an appropriate culture that will result in the, you know, the sacrifices and the excellence and the integrity that like we have at the, the core, well, supposedly the core values of the air force, right? These yeah. are probably the three things that need to be 
on point. And I think he's got, there's another reason why, besides like the reasons I was talking about why it's important, like a little more practical from like a custodian of the organization point of view, like say from the wing commanders, a, a wing commander's point of view, Yeah, is that tradition, well, the wing commander, right, is it has to be quite worried about retention these days. Right? Yes. And in my mind, heritage and traditions are one of the primary things is one of the primary things that the military or the air force can offer its people to compete with anything on the civilian side, right? Like there's, you can, there's robust traditions, the sense of meaningfulness that comes from celebrating this heritage and participating in these things, which is, it's fun on a more superficial level, but it's meaningful. There's a sense of meaning that goes with that. Um, that's, I, I imagine it's pretty hard to get on the civilian side, right? And no matter what job you're working in, right? You might even, uh, that, that sense of deep tradition. Um, and that needs to be protected and strengthened if you want to try to compete with the choices and the money that a lot of people can make on the outside. So if you want to retain them, in my mind. Right, like it's like it's one of the few things that one of the few chips that the Air Force has to put on the table that other organizations, other civilian organizations can't. Yeah, Southwest, like you can go make more money and have a more like scheduled life lifestyle, etc. Yeah. yeah, but you're showing up to work in a in a tie, you know, you, you like there, there's nothing like terribly exciting about it. Yeah. At altitude, autopilot's on. All right, cool. Starting the descent 100 miles out. Uh, folks will be uh, on the ground in about uh, nine minutes. Uh, Whether it's uh, Chicago International, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Air Force can actually present, like, that's one of their aces in the hole, or hopefully is one of the aces yeah, exactly. in the hole. Like, I'm staying because I fucking love this shit. Yeah. I love the and team I... attitude and mentality. This is a team sport. Let's fucking go. Yeah. It's fun, but it's also meaningful in a way that that other work is not, mm-hmm. uh, or at least it can be. And I think the traditions is what, in, 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 you know, fuel injects that into this into how people feel about it. Yeah. Um, but is it as healthy as it could be, or is it even potentially unhealthy? Um, I mean, and so like, let's talk about. MQ9 versus like 11. Healthy and like a, uh, in place of robust or in in the same vein as robust. Like we say, is it robust? Yeah, I'm not talking about, uh, I think we're going to talk about stuff going too far and being unhealthy in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I meant, I meant robust. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, especially compared to like, say, other communities of flyers. So in, in versus, say, non-flyers non-aircrew <laughs> as it is my experience uh as a mayor that it is not very robust in the sense that every time you start a roll call or something like that let's, let's just use roll call because it's kind of a roll call has something of a script right and kind of it's a, the the central core tradition i feel like but you always kind of have to start with some rules you have to like remind people to you drink from your left hand for a reason Mm -hmm. 
You, if you want to address the mayor, it's Mr. Mayor, a point of order, et cetera. You have to like reset these rules at the beginning of every single one. Yeah. Because there's enough people that either haven't been to one or don't pay enough attention or don't have enough respect for the rules, right? You always have like some new sheriff who's not very like practiced or experienced. Yeah. You know, (laughs) to like lay down the law. That's quite annoying. Right. And you're kind of like, God damn it, dude. Help and, me, help me out, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not like the, the the single most robust thing in that way, um, because I don't I don't know that we value it to that to that extent. People don't know that you just, dude, your first couple of roll calls, just show up, sit in the back, and shut the fuck up, and try and figure out what's going on. Like learn the ro- the, the ropes. Why do you think that is? So here, let me let me I guess let me dovetail that with a second comment and then kind of pitch it back over to you. My perception is that say in a lot of fighter squadrons and and less so in bomber squadrons, but in fighter squadrons, like roll calls are like mandatory. Like thou shalt go unless you have like an extremely good reason. Like your wife's having a baby that night. Yeah. Kind of, kind of reason thou shalt go. And if you don't, like, they're going to F you up. And you're really going to be on the outs in that community, right, in that squadron. Like, you're going to be viewed disfavorably. I could be wrong, but I also know, like, in the T-38 squadron at Columbus, those dudes, like, had to go to mandatory feedings of the snake. Right? <laughs> yeah. They were, like, it was the striking snakes. <laughs> the, what were they, the 50th? The stri- yeah, I don't think so. And yeah. was, like, but it was, they were the striking snakes. 50th FTS, yeah. Yeah. It had that Camaro painted in T-38 colors. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. You know what? You know where they got that? No. A guy that died. Yeah. One of the 50th instructor pilots died in a crash, Mm. and his wife gave the car to the squadron. And the squadron painted that shit up like a T-38 and drove that bitch around. Yeah. And so that dude's legacy, like, story lives on. With every student, I'm sure, that comes in is like, what the fuck is this car? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, like, you had to... They had to go. To this, so it was yeah. a, it was a mandatory formation for them, and like they all had to sit around while the fucking rat was lowered into the cage, right? And then like <laughs> they they do some chant like death, death, death as the rat is like lowered Jurassic Park style. No shit, I did not thing. know that. Yeah, um, I mean, and like if you stepped on their carpet, right, with their squadron sign on it, uh-huh. they they would come out of the woodwork, be like. Throw a dollar down, throw a dollar down, like get in your face, right? So like it's way more robust there, right? Like because it's mandatory. Like it's it's expected that thou shalt participate in these things. And if you are not, you're getting excommunicated. Like you don't belong here and you're being excommunicated from those communities. Is what was my perception. And at the MQ9, we we have kind of this mixed mud blood heritage between fighter people that have joined the community in the past and ISR heavy guys, right? Yeah. And so there's been attempts to do this stuff, which I think is really cool. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of all of these things. Um, just to lay my cards on the table. And I would like them to be more robust, but I don't I don't think they're ever gonna be as robust as that. But I think I think it comes down to like squadron commanders and stuff being like, you yeah, dude, roll calls are mandatory. Like we're doing them. But I don't feel like MQ9, like, the Deox surveys would get bloody Yeah, in an MQ9 squadron if you tried to do that, which it's kind of hard. I, just, I don't know. I don't know why that is. It kind of confuses me a little I, bit. I have 
things I would I would chalk up in my DFP refocus point and multiple contributing factors. So yeah. one, the RPA community is born, like you said, of mixed blood. Um, Tammy 21 was a program in the early two, 2000 aughts where yeah. they took, uh, they were like, hey, we need people to start flying these MQ1s and uh, whatnot. And so they took a bunch of junior fighter pilots, like out of F-16s and stuff like that. And they took the uh, right seaters or the co-pilots out of C-17s and they threw them at Creech. Yeah. <laughs> or they're in an air-conditioned box, right? Um, flying these airplanes. They're pissed off because they were just pulling 9Gs three weeks ago. I mean, many more weeks than that. They had to go through IQT, obviously. But, you know, six months ago, they were in Italy doing fucking loops and, you know, 5G pulls all the time, right? Um, C-17 dudes are cruising around the world, landing in crazy places, and now they're just, like, going out to this essentially a forward operating basic creech, right? Yeah. So, so they tried to imbue some of this, this history and some of this tradition that they brought from the fighter world, right? And they're showing up, they're pointing with elbows and they're, yeah. you know, doing all this, this kind of silly shit that means something. Yeah. Like there's a reason that they do that. I don't know that I've ever really had to like, like actually explain to me like <laughs> yeah. where that started or why that's a fucking thing. But RPA guys nowadays constantly like, yell at you for pointing at somebody in a roll call or something and not using your fucking elbows. They don't fucking know why they do that either. <laughs> I don't either, but I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. And I do it. <laughs> so, so there's that. And then you have the C-17 and like the, the heavy community. Yeah. They definitely not into it. They don't do that shit. Nor does AFSOC MQ-9s really right. don't do it either, which I actually turned down an assignment to canon largely for this reason because i do i wanted to do roll calls i wanted to do call signs and all that where that was a little more embraced and that's a little less on the less important at afsoc right? yeah quiet professionals yeah so and i and i don't i don't like that culture as much for myself right so i mean that was literally a big part of my assignment choice yeah leaving holland or leaving whiteman yeah nobody wants to go to canon um the mission is pretty cool for what I hear. Mission is pretty cool from what I hear, but can be. So you have this like yeah. intermixing, right, of guys that are really into it and guys that are very not into it, right? So you're in always the, getting yeah. Well, you get guys coming from Cannon or Creech in in like an MQ9 squadron. No, 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 no. What I'm getting at is the community uh, as a whole, the fighter pilots and the heavy pilots don't fucking mesh in the MQ9 community. Yeah, or when just, you when you just, bring them into the RGA community crew, as okay, a whole, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's some content, like, I won't say contention, but now you're only getting half your squad and even caring about any of this shit because the heavy guys don't care because they're always TDY gone, rotating around. They, they, they know half the people in their squadron. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's for that side of the community, it is much more of a, yeah. like we can go do some cool shit. Some like C-17 low levels or we're flying out of Afghanistan yeah. or we're getting like, there are things that can happen, but you're not, it's less of a team sport. Your team is yeah. your crew. Right. Or even something like the colored pens. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, Dude, people get like, upset if you don't write the main color in blue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was going through MQ1 training, <laughs> there was a gentleman who asked me to redo my entire board because it was in black, uh, who was an F 15 pilot, uh, who will go nameless uh, for now. But, um, 
and he was kind of a douche about it <laughs> in my opinion. And I was, we were, we were in the pre-brief and it was already getting pretty contentious. Cause I, at that point didn't really put up with a lot of bullshit from instructors if they were being douche off the bat for no reason yeah. right? and weren't really teaching. They're just being assholes. I made life hard for myself with people like that. And so he, I remember what he said though. He was like, we are a mix. He, I remember he looked back and he's like, we are a mixed community. So I cannot tell you that you are wrong. But I come from the fighter community and you should have known that, that I was your instructor today. <laughs> so you should have, you should be doing it the way that I want you to do it today. He was like, so, but I can't say that you're wrong because technically this is a mixed community and we have to accept all sorts. And I'm going to give you, like, I'm going to walk out and give you like 20 minutes to redo your board. And I was fuming at that point. So I, uh, I just underlined all the words in like different random colors. I didn't actually change anything on the board. So I just like underlined different letters in like red and blue and stuff like that randomly. Uh, and he uh, no-stepped me. Yeah. So, <laughs> being a fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I probably, I, was, I probably would have done the same thing if you were just uh, like as that obstinate to me. Uh, but I, I, w- I wouldn't have put you in the situation. I wanted him to no-step me at that point because I, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I refused to do a sortie with someone that was that big of an asshole. <laughs> And he was a couple other things that had happened too. It's fucking hilarious. That. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but right. Just to say like how contentious even something like the pens are with the mixed community aspect. Yeah. So there's that. Um, there is the fact that we run 24 seven ops. So you don't get like unit level. Yeah. Like, dude, I, dude, I was just talking about this with the Christmas party. It's like so hard to get everybody together for a Christmas party in a yeah. combat MQ nine squadron. It's like a big deal. Right, tr- swapping combat lines. Yeah, you got to call up other squadrons, and they got to serve. Yeah, RS- RSOing that shit to other people, right? Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And uh, just for that one night, right? Uh, and so roll calls, they're definitely not doing that, right? So it's just on a smaller flight level. It's not yeah. the robust squadron wide roll call, right? Um, and then the final piece is that we don't educate our lieutenants when they mm-hmm. show up. Yeah, we don't. Like, the fighter community has 10 months here. So, F-16 FTU is 10 months long. And they show up, and they buy all the fucking swag. They probably yeah. pay landing fees, and they go to the squadron, and they are... They, and are, they pay dues. Yeah, and, dude, they are they are born into that squadron, right, when they get there. Yeah. Uh, and so, they learn all the rules, and then they, like, they take it to heart, and they understand that what they're doing is a team sport. Like, you have to do these things because you're... You're on a you, wing. You're in a line of aircraft. Yeah, and you are relying on that other dude to. And I, I don't your mean like a wing, like life. the 49th wing. I meant like you're on a a wing. You are a wing man. Like you're on the wing of another aircraft. Yes, yeah. and you two are working together, maybe with another two ship, right? Yeah, and your tactics are all blended together. That if one of you's fucking it up, the rest of you are dead. Yeah, you know what I mean, so there's and that completely lacks in our community. Yeah. Because we all go to individual targets. Yeah. We don't work together. Yeah. You know, we constantly talk about how we don't know how in the combat squadron, we don't know really how good other pilots are. Yeah. You, you can change out maybe a little bit or like maybe if you're listening into strikes or something like that. But you have to talk to sensor operators if you really want to know how another pilot because we never fly to or interact with other pilots, really. Yeah, correct. So, so there's all those three primary factors: the blended community, the twenty four seven operations, and the uh, 
the fact that we don't really work as a team yeah. in operations. Yeah, no, right? that, I didn't think about that, but they, they get initiated into their squadrons. Yeah. Far more aggressively than, than we do. Like, we show up, we get glad-handed. I'm like, oh, here's the thing. You get in-processed and you enter your thing, but there's that's it, right? It's pretty functional. There's that surrounding fluff or, like, robustness, right, is not really something you're going to be directly initiated into. Right. Um, even on the level of swag, like, a, like tradition in the context of initiation like where you're going through all that stuff and like wearing all the same things and going to the same roll calls. In addition to the things I was talking about earlier with sacrifice in the larger organization, it also provides a context for that makes possible mutual respect of the people, right? Cause you have yeah. the shared experience, the shared experience that we went through in the beginning of this, when we came here that we all know there's a baseline level of experience that we've gone through that we are on the same team and can function together, right? As opposed to people that did not go through that stuff. Yeah. Um, and you're talking just like at a unit level, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, potentially larger too, but like even even just at the unit level. Yeah, and well, this is one of the things that like, I always, I was always told was like big about the academy. The academy, like, yeah, great. Like you go and you get your, your nuts kicked in and it's like the school, Colorado School for Wayward Boys and girls right but it's there's there is a shared experience that comes out of it and a networking capability later on right so like when you go to sos there's a ton of like yeah people from your academy class that are there because you're all there at about the same time because you're all at the same point in your career and so you're like oh hey what's up bro you know yada 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 yeah. and i went to ots i partied in vegas like for my entire college career I don't have that shared experience, yeah. right? I've got four and a half weeks of some knucklehead who's six weeks into the program yelling at me, yeah. <laughs> you know, to change my uniform faster and uh, get in this line and all that other crap. But you guys had like your entire first year, right? Is yeah, the, walk the, this the fucking line. Yeah. yeah, right. And you're just getting yelled at, but you all had that shared experience. And yeah. that's continues outside of there because like what half the academy goes to pilot training about yeah more, right more or less uh they get a disproportionately large number of the pilot slots yeah and but so now they've all also experienced yeah. pilot training pilot training is fun yes but it is also no. <laughs> tremendously stressful fucking sucks <laughs> yeah but you have that shared experience on the other end it's the same with like seer to a less lesser degree survival evasion resistance and escape training right yeah um all of that hardship creates bonds between people yeah friendship is born of shared hardship if everything is like fucking great and you like i'm not gonna have a friendship with somebody over the fact that we both like the same whiskey yeah even though, that's a shit. even though it's a shared experience, we're both drinking the same whiskey right now. Yeah. But that's not a shared experience in the sense that you mean. Yeah. It needs to be a shared experience, I think, of, of suffering. It needs to be difficult. If this was the only thing that yeah. we shared, yeah, I would, dude, five years from now, I'd be like, yeah. yo, dog, what's up? And yeah. that, that'd be it. Yeah. And you'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm cool. Wife, kids, cool? Yeah, they're cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and that, yeah. But that would be the end of it. Yeah. It wouldn't be this, like, deeper thing where I felt this, like, compelling need to, like, 
hey, man, I'm really, like, interested in what's up with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, and to take that into, because that, that's like a care level. Like, I've got some friends that are in other parts of the world that I feel compelled to reach out to. Yeah. Because we shared some shit. You know what I mean? And that friendship will never die. And it's the same thing like in a shared, like a fighter community. My, those, those experiences are, I am, I am vulnerable and you are here to protect me. And then when moments when you're vulnerable, I'm there to protect you. Like we're yeah. a fucking thing, right? And it's the same thing like a fighter community. They cannot survive alone. Yeah. All of their tactics are based on the duel. Dude, that's, that's interesting, man. Like that, I think this will be explored in a, in another podcast at another time, uh, which I think we've been discussing doing relatively, re- uh, relatively soon. Um, but that's why I feel so strongly about a lot of the sensor operators I've flown with, especially the good ones yeah. that I was in the shit with. Um, and I think we're going to have one of them come on later who qualifies yeah. as that, uh, who's currently in your squadron. Yeah. Um, but like him and there's a few others too, but like that I remember like that I would not have been successful if they were not good at their jobs. Like, especially early on when I was newer to the squadron, um, they hadn't been kind of bolstering what I was doing with their experience and their expertise. Right. Uh, and like those dudes I have like, I don't mean to be weird, but like kind of like love in like kind of a special way for them that I don't have with any of you fucking pilots. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, because, because <laughs> I fly with sensor operators, right? I don't fly with pilots right? myself. Right. I'm the only pilot that exists as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yep. And, uh, as far as my experience. Right. Um, but those sensor operators, like, dude, that's a team that's like, and although we're not at risk physically, like our reputations are definitely at risk together, mm-hmm. our desire to save lives when the stuff's, when, when the real shit is on is definitely at risk and our, you know, killing the bad guys when it's time to kill the bad guys too is all at risk, right? So like there's still stuff at stake with which I'm not saying you're not saying that, but I'm saying like because there's stuff at stake in a way that I would even say is similar to the way a fighter pilot feels when mm-hmm. he's bought when he's at risk when he's doing stuff, right? That's how I, I I probably feel similarly to a sense of the way I feel about a sensor operator is they do pilot to pilot. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing when you two are just clicking. You've flown enough together yeah. that yeah. you know that their shit's in the sock. Yeah. I can't they're, wait. I can't wait to do the sensor operator podcast. They trust you. You yeah. trust them, and you're like, are you cool? And they're like, yeah, let's do this thing. I've seen this before. Let's roll. And yeah. they're like, fuck yeah. All right, done. Click. Yeah, yeah. I cannot Weapons wait away. to do the sensor operator podcast. I think it's going to be a great one. Um, but we will hold fire on the rest of that and save it for that. Yeah, yeah. so it's that shared experience. But, 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 but when you were saying that, I was thinking about, dude, like, dime, taco, uh, freaking flop, like, all these other, like, I'm just kind of was thinking about all the sensor operators that I feel the way that you were describing. Uh, walling? Oh yeah, 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 walling as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Walling. yeah. I've, I've, I've got, I've got a list uh, as well of, of, of dudes. I, I, dude, I, I will fly with you any day of the week. Yeah, because I know you're the fucking shit. Yeah, and we're, we're gonna, we're gonna make music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, I think that's where all, like, all of this tradition and stuff like centers around that type of relationship that you're trying to build but, but, and create. But, but that's what makes it. Oh. That's what makes it hard for the MQ-9, right? Like, that tradition is, like, 
just between that one, those two crew positions, uh-huh. and it doesn't actually branch out across the rest of the squadron in right. a meaningful way. Or it's like much more indirect in a way that like, dude, everybody is a pilot. And, th- and this is why like part of the reason I found it important to change the call sign of all the airplanes that were flying out of the 20th. Oh, yeah, They all had to have the same, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a small thing. You're not necessarily getting to the interpersonal thing, but you're, yeah. you're, you're creating the my higher s- culture. My small addition to that was naming all the cockpits for, with tradition names, yeah. with legacy names from the squadron. A small, a small addition to that. No. Um, so it, 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 it all comes together to create this this larger culture of we are all in this team together. Dude, I, I almost thought about that from the map cell trying to get like the lines that the twentieth is flying in Ucom. Yeah, to be hellhound as well. Oh, like, really? I I, 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 <laughs> I I thought about it for a little bit, but then like I started like asking some questions about it, and the guys were like, "Why what the fuck is this coming from the unit?" Yeah, and like like no, I'm just they're just like. Nah, I don't really care. That's because they but, don't because they don't come out of our community and understand like, yeah, the importance of that in this community. Yeah, because we don't have much of the rest of it. Yeah, I I still think I probably should have just pushed for that, but and then again, we were rotating the lines. Yeah, in UCOM like pretty aggressively, so yeah. it's like it would have been. What's the next else. one going to be Marauder? Yeah, or whatever. Right. right, and I don't, I don't, frankly, don't care about. Pushing for Marauder's call sign, <laughs> so the, uh, or, or or the four eight two or whatever the fuck, right? Right. Um, although I like them better than non twenty fifth attack group squadrons. <laughs> sure. So, the, the, uh, <laughs> so how do you think? Certainly better than Creech. <laughs> so on a so, so that's like all unit level, right? Uh, all right. So the Air Force is slowly losing some of this, right? Yeah. There are units that, uh, like, all call signs will be vetted by the wing commander. Well, are you talking about personal call signs? Yeah, personal call signs. I don't like think we've, individual talked, to, I don't think we've talked about that yet, like namings. Yeah, namings Namings are hugely important. and, and For air crew, yeah. Yeah, and, and in short order, it's basically like you're coming of age. Like, okay, you yeah. are... You are approved. You are a member of the of the unit. So we have a, we like you enough to give you a call sign. That so not only are you in the ops squadron, right? But you've been around a little bit and done some shit, right? And are yeah. li- and are respected and are, are a known commodity. Yeah, you are, you are respected, and we will pay you back with a disrespectful call sign, <laughs> which I do not think has, is respectful. Yeah, I don't think needs to be a acronym. No, of course I think, not. I think there's like three basic types of call sign: there's personality based, call sign or acronym based, uh-huh. and then there is uh, a pun pun based. Yeah, you know, like a dude that was at the map, right? His last he was Ken Durbin. So, can you guess what his call sign was? Tucky Ken Tucky Durbin, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, but like it's right. just like fucking shit like that, right? So those are, those are the pun based ones, right? Yeah. yeah so this was tough. Well, that's how I got Muff Barber. Yeah. Call mm-hmm. call sign. Was it a was literally it a just? No, nah, it's just. <laughs> Dude, we have to, we have to cut that. Yeah, we will. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 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 but that's literally all it was, okay. right? <laughs> Dude, I've <laughs> dropped your call sign to people. Yeah. And the first reaction that I get usually 
is how has he not been forced to change his calls? <laughs> like, how does that still exist? Strength of reputation. That's what it is. Too good to change it. Yeah. He is too good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think it's too it just, much of an old term. Yeah. 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 That's all. Yeah. Um, so the call sign is a, is a big thing, but a lot of squadrons, yeah. like in wings, have gotten too far afield, right? To, to such a point where their wing commanders are like, every call sign has to come through me. And I'm sure they're like taking this call sign list and running it through MEO. And if this guy's a Hispanic last name, like you're not going to get another Taco Vasquez. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people get worried about their careers. And so they don't like call signs like stamp. What are some of the other ones that you can think of? Hot dog. Yep. Things like that can get people in trouble. Which those latter two are ridiculous to have been changed. But those put some people in some hot water, right? Well, no, they were preemptively uh, changed before EO arrived to the squadron uh, uh, by the squadron commander. So, but these are the, these are the types of things that make people not want to show up to roll calls or namings mm. or. Yeah, that, I think that, yeah, I don't think because the, the call sign, like the call sign names one, I think is pretty easy, right? Like, dude, make it not sexually explicit. Mm-hmm. If it is sexually explicit, do not tell the squadron commander the story and it better not sound like it is, right? If it's like a secret cabal that has the story behind it is like a little wink, wink, nod, nod. Mm-hmm. But if you put it on the call sign patch, <coughs> if you put it the call sign on their Friday patch, no one would know that nobody from PA or EO would know the difference, right? Yeah. Whatever. And go ahead and submit your call signs to the squadron commander for vetting. Yeah. Before you formally announce them and bless them, right? Like after the actual naming. So I don't. This might be another argument for like the role of tradition here. Yeah. Tradition is important because what do you get? What are you supposed to have at these namings? Elders. You know, people that have been around and understand. So I want, this is why I want squadron commanders at namings. It provides weight. It provides. Yeah, they don't want to go for that reason. But I think the bigger thing specifically with the roll call slash naming is the the alcohol, right? Like that's what people are afraid about, right? It's like someone's going to get a Dewey. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but this is the point of the elders, right? And having the the experienced individuals in the squadron that already have call signs that have been around for a while, hopefully a fucking major, hopefully a unit level like DO or even commander if you can get it because that provides like the like I said the weight and the of the experience right yeah people don't show up to these things because they're afraid of these things well or it's easy to shut down yes right like it's rather than all right dude let's we have to teach everybody we got to corral them. Yeah. You got to like deal with this right from a squadron commander group wing commander perspective, right? When, as we've pointed out, like their asses can be on the line for this, right? From a loss of confidence perspective yep. from their superiors, right? They could be tossed out on their effing ears like that for this kind of stuff, right? It's much easier to shut it down. It's easier for these guys to just be like, you know what, dude, nah. To all this stuff, right? I would yep. just rather not incur any of this risk. I'm not at home as the squadron commander. 
kind of just like waiting for the fucking phone calls that like people got Deweys or like pushed downtown after they weren't supposed to and got into some fucking trouble like as a part of a squadron event right yep and it's easier for them to say no but or just to to shut it all down right because they don't see the value in it beyond their price to them correct they're risk averse yeah and they don't and i think this is part of a larger trend of we have people looking at traditions, things like roll calls, but also things like that first year at the academy, things like the way things are done at pilot training or whatever, being like, I don't necessarily see the value in it myself as a person that's just rocking up and looking at it now. Um, doesn't necessarily make sense to me. And I haven't really thought about that much. And uh, so I'm killing it because it potentially is hard for me to explain as the leader, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is something that I have hated for years about the Air Force because it seemed like ever since I was in the academy, like all the way through, like the pendulum has always been swinging away from tradition, like yeah. more towards like a corporate, watered down, anodyne lifestyle. Yeah, of right? course. And getting rid of all this stuff. And, um, Maybe I was at like a high water point at the academy where like that first that you know that first year you mentioned the four degree year culminating in recognition yeah uh, which is the big weekend long uh, initiatory event happens um, you ate that shit up right oh I loved it yeah it was my favorite part of being at the academy yeah and I disliked the academy the further I got away from that and the further <laughs> they moved away from it. Um, I don't know. I, f- I felt the meaning, man. I felt like I was participating in the th- thing, right? Yeah. Like, and uh, here's the deal. Like, not this isn't about the academy, but this is a, this is a my first taste of this. Right? It was at the academy. Um, all elite organizations have some sort of initiation, right? There's 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 an, an uh, buds has hell week. Yeah, and there is a shared. There's a thing that is done that is suffering, that is shared suffering, that does not necessarily have a useful or utilitarian training element assigned to it. Because it's really what we're training is the, the spirit or any of that kind of stuff, right? And there's a, there's a modern professional element, corporate or whatever, right? Like, I think it's civilian, but I also think there's a there's a strain of corporatism or utilitarianism, even in the military, that wants to say that anything like that, right? Making someone drink at a roll call, not making them drink, making like, is a strong word. Well, like even a strongly encouraging. Well, not even an alcoholic drink, but like making forcing them to attend. Yeah, you know, or and drink like an unleaded drink potentially, yeah. right? Or take shots from the grog. Yeah, right. pickle all juice and is, prune yeah, juice. All, is, yeah, that all that stuff is not initiation; it's hazing. Um, and the defi- the way that I've delineated those two things is that an initiation is something that is done for the betterment of the member, so that they can enter a broader tradition, a larger, more meaningful tradition, and be accepted into that tradition, uh, rather than just taking people off the street without any barrier. But any elite tradition any truly meaningful tradition has some sort of entry into it that is not necessarily easy. Okay. 
or straightforward. Uh, there's an initiation. Hazing is done. It's very hard to distinguish sometimes. Yeah, it's a blurry line. But And the difference, though, I think is psychological. It, and hazing is done to the for the pleasure or the better, you know, the, ex, for whatever the, to, on the, on the, on the part of the initiators. Yeah. In the, those the, who are in, already in. Yeah. So they are, they are enacting stuff to make, you know, to feel better about themselves to, but it's not, it's not for the betterment of the initiates. Yeah. Right. Like you said, there's a, there's a thin line. This is how yeah. like fraternities get in trouble. Yeah. Right. So I think the way that you, some of the more tangible ways that that expresses itself is that these traditions are consistent across people and they're consistent over time, right? So like everybody gets the same treatment and everybody over time. So like the past people who've been through it yep. and the future people who will go through it are going to get similar treatment, right? So no one's being singled out by a single cadre member or a single IP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one way that you can tell whether something is additionally, I think something is in, in an, and it's been sanctioned by the organization, right? So this consistency across people, this consistency across time is also formally uh, expressed or supported, condoned, I should say, condoned by the organization. Um, and so it's not being done like on the side spuriously, right? But like this is written into standards. It's written into history books. Yeah. Like this is what we do, right? And this is why you're doing this, right? And everybody's going to go through this thing, right? Um, I struggle a little bit because I love that stuff at the academy. And I was really sad with the, the people who, that it was going the other way, even by the time I was leaving. And it was a lot more difficult to have the freshmen who were coming through when I was leaving experience what I experienced. Oh, and you were the senior? Yeah, like. when I was a junior and a senior. <laughs> like they did, the pendulum had already gone so far in the yeah. other direction, right? Um, that, you know, that it was, it was difficult for me to square with that. And the arguments that people seemed to be making was that everything needed to be functional, right? So like anything we're having a cadet do needs to relate or be fundamentally... Uh, relatable to some sort of task right so we're at, everything's training right so this is about hiking through the woods or setting up a camp forward campsite or this is about this right but there's no just like yelling and doing push-ups or like you know stressful situations just for the sake of stressful situations yeah there needs to be some functional outcome and the reality of that though is that most of that training is going to end up just being like cbt's and like anodyne, watered down, not very exciting or meaningful. <laughs> yeah. Right. In the in the certainly in the Air Force, it's not going to be meaningful training because we're all such office workers anyway. Yeah. Right. Even the pilot, even the air crew among us, right? Um, so like the the wussification of those things, like the professionalization to me meant wussification in almost every case. And it and it was that way. Um, I did not like being in, at the academy when it meant to me that I was getting a slightly less good education than I could have got somewhere else, but I had to wear funny clothes and obey a bunch of strictures that didn't make a lot of sense, but were not particularly difficult. It was just inane. But I did love the struggle 
of the four degree year and like yeah. the proving and like the participating in traditions that went back to the 1950s. But I think that, are you still friends with people you went through that with? Yeah. Some. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I call them up, we would have a convo. It'd be, yeah. cool. It'd be cool. Right. Or vice versa. Um, some people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but the Air Force has always had a more abstract relationship to With military tradition. Stuff, yeah. born, but, of, born of rebellion from, well, the, and, from the Army and, the and ab- tradition. Well, right? and the abstraction of our fighting, right? Even, yeah. even fighter pilots and bomber pilots, right? right? They're in a plane, in a machine. It's mediated by a machine at least, Yeah. right? In an unnatural environment as opposed to like a Marine running around with an M16 and a bayonet on it. It's not too different than a hoplite. Right. Right. In some sense. Right. Yeah. Like so that he just has a longer spear. Yeah. And he can paint, he can read the Iliad and feel stuff more di- and understand his role in the world a little more directly than we can, which we have to kind of do some more uh, gym, mental gymnastics <laughs> to for, reach the same sure. thing. And the RPA has to do that, do even more gymnastics once again, once over. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, I think this whole everything needs to be functional. The, we cannot have performative suffering, right? As a, as an act of initiation. Uh, before sorry, I I used to struggle though because I really hated those elements in pilot training, which I'm not sure I can actually defend. <laughs> So like I loved it in the academy, but I hated it in pilot training. Give me an example from pilot training that you're. Uh, I mean, like the like the way that they do stand up, the way that they, because it had to do with like the lack of teaching, right? Like this was yeah. a haze, but I felt like they just weren't teaching me. Undergraduate pilot train yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like. <laughs> Or teaching me very well. Yeah. And you would get in all these like really one-on-one situations that were very different from your classmates, actually. So you're all in the one class, but like depending on who your IPs were. Yeah. Like, right, you had very different experiences and like pass rates were different. Depending, like, it's like, dude, I could fly this better than you, but like, why am I getting a G and you're getting an E? Yeah. Well, it's my IP is a fucking crotchety asshole and yours isn't, right? And I'm flying with this guy every day because the flight has decided that this is the way it is. And you've been like assigned to this guy and it's not being mixed up too much. So, I mean, I felt pilot training was much more on the haze spectrum for that reason. Like there was like individual targeting and stuff like that, that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, frankly, I found to be a little unprofessional huh. to be honest, but like, I don't know, maybe that's just because I didn't like it as much. Yeah. That I, I, but I wanted that to be very functional. Cause I'm like, I'm here to learn. I've already done the, the haze, the initiation of yeah. the haze, right? It's kind of how I felt. I don't want to do this now. Like all this bullshit is getting in the way of like, just teach me how to fucking fly. Just explain this to me. Just teach me, dude. Like this is in this this is in the way, right? Like the the all the stuff that you as the IP in pilot training are pushing on me is in yeah. the, is in the way right now. And I think that's why <coughs> the people that are for practical training. Are on or on the are on a hair trigger to pull that you know to pull that reasoning out and to crush things. Um, I think that's why because in a lot of cases it is in the way, but it matters like when it's happening, 
right? So like in something like in the academy or your initial commissioning, I think it's fine. And I think, you know, like there's some things when you first get to the squadron that I think are fine, right? Like if you don't, you know, if you're messing up the rules at the roll call that you're getting wrecked. Right? Yeah, you're, you're getting yelled at and yeah, yeah, yeah. hassled over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or whatever, right? Or if you're not making the popcorn right. So that was a thing too, like the, from the freaking the fiftieth striking Dude, snakes. Jalapenos is the only way to do it. Yeah, the fiftieth striking snakes, right? Like if they messed up, the students messed up the popcorn. Yeah, like the students were all being the whole class was getting lined up and yelled at by 06s like straight up, <laughs> right? Like it was like it was incredible. I was like, dude, this is insane. But like in a in a way that I loved. In reality, like I think popcorn is an art. I preferred. It's not muff speaking, but generically speaking. Maybe I like it without jalapenos. Yeah. You, how do you think Gordon Ramsay makes it? Yeah. He probably makes it multiple ways. Puts a little caramel in there sometimes. Puts a little. <laughs> what is that right. tradition? Oh, the, how important is the, the tradition? Jalapeno yeah. corn is fucking delicious. Yeah. We had a captain who was going to be coming down to Holloman here shortly who tried to do like Hawaiian popcorn one day. <laughs> When he was pretty new to the squadron. Yeah. And I freaking smoked him on uh, like uh, 20th attack squadron all email. <laughs> and he came, he came to my office apologizing <laughs> and admitting it was him. <laughs> Whoever made this jalapeno popcorn with this, fu- or sorry, this Hawaiian popcorn with, with this weird rice with this shit in it. Yeah. Fucking pineapples and <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it was like that. <laughs> um, so, I don't know, right? Like, I think the organization has to throw down with, like, I think actually with the pilot training stuff, it's not the traditions. It's just, like, more related to, like, our when we were talking about teaching versus instructing. Yeah. Um, but I think some of that lack of teaching was done out of a mindset of tradition. Right on yeah. part of the IPs, which I did not appreciate. Yeah. Um, but I, in general, I I'm very skeptical of these anti-tradition or the the people that are make, like either want to get rid of it because it's too much risk and they don't understand the they don't truly understand the depth of the value, or the people that are more militant about professionalizing everything. Yeah. I'm very skeptical of these people. Um, I think tradition. Uh, is very important, at least superficially, for the reasons that we've stated. Um, but tradition, there's, you can read a bunch of really old dead dudes, smart old dead dudes. Uh, I'm thinking of mostly Burke, Edmund Burke and G.K. Chesterton. You can look them up if you want. But there's a couple points that these guys make about tradition, which I very much believe, which yeah. is like traditions are deep, which means that they connect to a bunch of other things. All right. And a values and effects, second and third order effects that come from it and they attach to other things. So that if you turn it off or change it, you're going to have weird outcomes happening all over. Like it exists for a reason. Yeah, it evolved course. and existed for a reason. Um, you also have like Chesterton talks about Chesterton's fence, which is. I love that guy's fence. Yeah. Are you familiar with this? I'm familiar with Chesterton's fence. Do yes. not like if you come across the fence across the road for some reason. You don't take it down until you understand why it was built. Yeah. Now, if you have a really good reason to think that the fence no longer serves the purpose that it was built for, yep. great. But you need to understand why things grew or were put in place in the first place before you just go ripping things down. Correct. 
and lastly, right, like, uh, in a way, it's really like a contract with the people that came before us and the people that came after us. Um, Burke has a very interesting quote. Uh, if you give me a moment. And this is not Burke, actually, this is Chesterton. Tradition means giving a vote to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. It is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. All Democrats object to men being disqualified by the accident of birth. Tradition objects to their being disqualified by the accident of death. Democracy tells us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our groom. Tradition asks us not to neglect a good man's opinion, even if he is our dead father. Right, so... Yeah, that's solid. That's yeah. So, right, but, like, because you have I, this... I, mean, I felt that. Because you have this meaning in the past that's going to be extended to a meaning in the future, right? There's meaning now. And there's another author that I quite like. That Exu butts up against the uh, natural adolescent uh, dream of breaking away from his father. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not to say that stuff doesn't change. Yeah. Or that stuff can't, like, slightly evolve or be manipulated, right? But, like... Um, Exupery, Antoine de Saint-Exupery, French author. Look at you. Wrote, wrote uh, <laughs> La Petite Prince, uh, yeah. and, which is a famous children's book. And then, which, you're going to say you never heard of it. I, I have not. <laughs> uh, as well as a I very, read computer science books, man. Yeah, as well as a book uh, about early aviation, kind of a nonfiction memoir type called Wind, Sand, and Stars, which I quite like. Uh, but he was flying uh, the 1910s and 20s doing postal routes gotcha. over, uh, you know, from South America to, you know, to Africa yeah, and stuff like that. And like just flying in an open biplane carrying mail. Um, and he loved it. He loved it. He was in love so with it. So it was that like Jimmy Doolittle. Yeah, yeah. He was in love with that stuff. But he, one of his books that he wrote was called Night Flight. And in that book, he says, even though we do not pray for immortality, but only not to see our acts and all things suddenly stripped of all of their meaning. For then it is the utter emptiness of everything that reveals itself. Right? So if we change traditions too much, right? it's not that stuff can't change slowly, but if we change things too rapidly, things start to feel meaningless, unworthy of sacrifice, unworthy of investment. Right? You just, and you get more in like a get mine mentality. You start making that calculus in a more direct way. It's like trying to change the 20th Attack Squadron's motto mm -hmm. from first on target to cleared hot. Yeah. Something that any other fuck <laughs> employs yeah. weapons could say. Yeah. Right? Like, I liked first on or target. Or getting away from the Snoopy thing or any of that shit, right? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, which is why we've talked about it a little bit, I think, on our uh, on one previous podcast, but mm -hmm. why I think there was a semi successful pushback on that. Right? Yeah. Regardless of what the aesthetics to an individual are, right? There's, this is imbued with a larger sense of meaning. Right. And you could change the patch. Which is what they ended up doing, right? We had a different Friday patch that incorporated Snoopy slightly differently. Yeah. But then the bog standard one. But it still had that connection, right? We didn't just slap on a brand new Friday patch that was different. Yeah. These were reasons. And this is the role of a mayor, to a degree, is to yeah. to hold to some of these traditions and understand why they exist, right? I tried yeah. to make it a thing that you don't get a call sign unless you're sitting on top of that doghouse. Oh, yeah, no, we didn't do that. Snoopy, or, no, we we did that in B-Flight. Snoopy fucking sits on doghouses, dog. 
Yeah. You're sitting on a fucking doghouse and it is uncomfortable because it is not yeah. flat. <laughs> I think I told you, I think I told you in the barbarians, we had the sword and the shield that I donated. Yeah. And we would make people hold those up while they were on the doghouse. So they're, they're nuts or lips. Oh, they had to hold it be, so they could feel so they the couldn't, pain. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't brace yeah. while on the straddling the doghouse. Yeah. Dude. And I thought it was great. But when but I, that was hazing. But when I no, when I led these when I led these things, yeah. I would kick the namies out. Like yeah. get out. You're not this is this is not for you. So yeah, we would and put then, and then we would have a I would have a frank discussion. I'm like, listen, yeah, you need to understand that we are naming these people because we respect them and we love them and they're part of this fucking team. So there's not gonna be any dipshit call signs and we're not gonna be like calling like, some like poop. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to call him. Dude, they've been trying to name someone Poop. They did. The 20th. Yeah. Well, they, well, E-step. It got, yeah, it got. Poopy step. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely not. But. It got changed. Because that was, uh, puts orders on officers or some shit like that. Yeah. Well, um, a whatever. Fa- a facade. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a, thin, ter- it was a, a terrible thin, thing. A thin facade there. Thin we had, what did we end up naming him? Do you remember? Uh, no. I do. Streak. Oh, streak, yeah. Streak. It's like streaking your underpants, kind of poopy. Like, I got it. So, like, but it was, but it sounds way cooler. Yeah. Right. And that's the point. Yeah. It, yes. And he could take, like, he had a long, a pretty damn good kill streak. <laughs> and dude, that, was a, dude was a killer. Yeah, dude. It, exactly. He, so, uh, so it was respectful, but he had some know, other issues and he's not with, with the Air Force anymore. But <laughs> under, that, that dude would, that dude would fucking kill people. Yeah. And he was so, good at it. Took it very seriously too. So we gave him a cool call sign yeah. that had an underhanded kind of poop related. Yeah, but if you know the story, <laughs> yeah, and he can right. choose to tell you that in the future or not. Correct. Right? And if you give him a beer, right correct. Bar, but correct. Uh, and so that's freaking great, right? Um, but but that always that came with that that discussion with these people eye to eye. We love these people. They're part of the team now. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't think that a call sign needs to be actively cool, like Magnum. Concur. Maverick. Mag- yeah. Or Cougar. Ace. What else yeah. you got? What, yeah. else, what are the cool ones? Can you I don't. Of? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Slash. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Uh, I don't think call signs need to be actively cool. Yeah. But I don't think they should be. It's not actively uncool if you were to tell a lady at a bar your call sign. Yeah. Right, if it's if your call sign is, I struggle with that one. <laughs> what? Oh well, yours might not. Your my yours yours is grandfather did, right? You my wife, be, my wife likes it. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> that's why I guess that's what it counts. Um, actively uncool is what we're avoiding. Yeah, but it doesn't. So right, and that that opens it up to be a lot of things, right? Like I don't think yogi is. It's in. It might be endearing, but it's not. Cool in the way those other ones are. I right? love it. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I love perfect. it too. I would not. I would not be renamed for anything. Yeah. My, I I was renamed. Yeah. From Blazer. Yeah. Bad Laser. Right? Yeah. That's, but was, that's gay. Yeah. That's gay. Yogi's way better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks on multiple thanks, levels. Thanks Shiva. Yeah. For renaming me to <laughs> Yogi, <laughs> and allowing that to happen, please. Uh, Shiva, of course, being one that I don't think is actively cool. But it is not actively uncool. Concur. And 
is quite fucking funny when you know the story behind it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> and if and that's a personality call sign, that one. That's not an acronym. Yeah. That's not a pun. It's a personality call sign, and I love it for for one by, is it Lieutenant Colonel Trimble yet? Uh, I think. Lieutenant Colonel Select Trimble? November. I think November. Lieutenant Colonel Select Trimble? Definitely Lieutenant Colonel Select, yeah. So we've kind of said that like the fighter pilot stuff is kind of the gold standard for Air Force tradition. But I think we're also saying that they're taking, they've been taking some hits along these lines too. Yeah. Even though it's, they're still more robust, right? I think it drives them to be more insular. Yeah. Well, this is why I think um, the tradition of pilot training in general, right? Yep. Split between originally everybody used to go through 38s, then they had 38s and T1s. Now you have... That eight. was more like functional to like... Well, if they're going to go fly the the C seventeen, the T one is really closer to what the C seventeen does. Yeah, but it, <laughs> see, this is this is my thing though. Is I don't think that that actually made better airmen in the end, right? Yeah, like I think everybody would have been better off flying the T three if that was what was important. Right now, if it's about saving money, that's a different thing. But I think you also it's about money. Yeah, I know. But you, <laughs> but you. Um, because, like, is the 38, you still do instrument approaches, and you yeah. learn how to do all that shit. So it's not like you're getting, you're not doing that in the T1, right? Or you're not doing that in the 38, right? Yeah. Um, you, you start creating this, like, locked-in cast system. Yep. Because that, that shared tradition going into it, that, that initiation into being a rated aviator, um starts to have different levels and meanings, right? And then the 11s become more insular. And right? the sooner you start to differentiate, the the more insular each individual community will become. Yeah. Right? Because a C-17 and an F-16 guy could be like, hey, we fly different airplanes, but we both flew T-38s. Yeah. So at least we know that there's a baseline standard. There's a context for mutual respect Yeah. that is not shared with T-1 guys and then certainly not shared with 18X. Right. right. By, by those individuals, which is something I unfortunately experienced a little bit uh, at the AOC. Um, pretty a little dis- disappointed about that, to be yeah. honest. But uh, not not too aggressive, but it was there if you were looking for it. And I, I mean, I was. But that's um, interesting because like you were you, you're not an 18X. No, I know. You're but they, an 11U. But, but they knew I was an MQ9 guy. Yes. Yeah. And they knew that you only flew MQ9s. Yeah. You didn't have some other prior platform. Yeah. Right, so they could. Well, that's one of the first. That's one of the first things they asked me when yeah. they met me. That's yeah. What do you fly? What else did you fly? Yeah. Oh, nothing. Oh, uh, you're UPT direct to MQ <laughs> RPAs, and they're like, mm. obviously a piece of shit. Yeah, you sucked. Yeah, <laughs> and like they wouldn't say that, right? And they're happy enough to talk to me and be nice, right? But when it came time to for the OPTs and. Planning, uh, planning some real operational sh- planning team for yeah, the uninitiated. to plan some real, real shit one-off mission planning for some high-level stuff. Uh, I was not getting invited. Right, they're inviting each other, which I mean makes sense. Maybe they knew each other, or whatever. But I think, yeah, on a certain level, they were like, "We don't trust that you have LFE experience or are smart or even good, but we know that we are because we went through the thirty-eight and survived B course and together and stuff like that." And, dude, that stung. Because I have done the LFE stuff. I actually could have been extremely useful to the stuff that they were doing. Uh, but they were too ignorant to ask me because they just made some assumptions. Yeah. 
prejudicial assumptions based on some stuff, right? And but that comes from the tradition, right? The the, the natural shared tradition that they they were making assumptions based off of, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, I think it was probably a mistake to split pilot training into T ones, and then certainly just make the eighteen X career field. Yeah, I think everyone should be eleven. And then 11 U's, right? Like, but but the what they should have done. But the organization, the Air Force as a whole, is motivated by budget. Yeah. More so than this higher level, you yeah. know, philosophical understanding I, of what I think airmanship is. I think there are some things that, I mean, that's why, that's our reason to trial, right? Is that the Air Force takes airmanship more seriously than the Marines, even Marine aviators, right? Like, that's our... Core thing, right? Yes. A reason for existing. Um, and even the reason we were born, that was yeah. our argument, right? Yeah. So I, I think there's some things that traditions and shared models that like money shouldn't be, that, that are worth the money, that mm-hmm. should be un... That, that like uh, p- pinching pennies should not be able to broach into that, right? Like that should just be like, dude, we don't care. We're, we'll stand up more bases if we have to. Everybody like, this is just, anything. This is a fun, this, is, this is a fundamental first principle. Yeah, right. We're doing this because we expect all of our aviators to have these skills and to be on you know at least this minimum standard, right? And that we're not we're not creating sub standards too early. We're not creating uh, little fiefdoms of excellence or questionable quality too early in the process. Marine right? Corps pilots go through. Ground training. Yeah. They need to experience the shit. Yeah. Right? So that they understand Why? They're who be it pilots, is that they're protecting. Right? But that, yeah, but that would be the equivalent to Marines saying right. they don't need to do any of that shit. Right. Right. So that that is it is hugely important. You need to understand yeah. where it is. And you're, you're not creating RPA pilots. Yeah, you're creating I, aviators, pilots. I think we have too many people who are... STEM majors, MBAs, who have not thought deeply about what tradition means and what it means for the Air Force, what it means for an organization that's only existed in the last century that has a tougher time connecting to the thousand years of military history, right? That our traditions are very important, like protecting them is very important to having any sense of meaning. And if we start chipping away at it, we're more vulnerable to that than, say, the Army or the Marines or something like that. Of course. And that... We really need to protect that stuff and then all the things that it does for us that we've talked about throughout this podcast, right? That it does for your members that you can't really put a number to. It's not going to be quantifiable as an impact on your OPR, but is extremely important, fundamental, actually, to the health of the organization. As I guess you say, uh, Colonel Spears has made explicit here at the wing, right? Um, Correctly so, I think. um, that I think he's correct. Yeah, and I think... The Air Force in particular is is vulnerable to that, I think, or to chipping away at this stuff and just becoming just a organization that does things. Is right? that to, because they are born of uh, much older traditions of Army and Navy and they're trying to differentiate? I think, well, yeah, I think it's because we are more abstract. Like our relationship to that reality yeah. is more is more abstract to begin with. Is the RPA community I, another m- level of difficulty? Next level abstraction. Yes, no, yeah. is is, a, is another expo- exponent 
of, of abstraction on top of that. Um, which means like this, this is, should be a focus point for people, right? Like it, it absolutely yeah. has to be if you want people to care and invest and stay in, especially with the small commitments that 18X has, right? Yeah. You want people to stay in past their six, you got to do this. Like this got to be a huge thing that commanders do. It's not, it's a non-negotiable. They've been really. telling me my entire time that like, oh, you got to make it your own. And all we ever do is like point elbows at each other and just follow the same script. <laughs> well, this is something like what <laughs> you know? Reaper Smoke was about, right? To try to get stuff across the whole community, right? Yeah. Not just, because like you, it feels like you like you would make stuff in a flight on the op squadron or in a squadron here at Holloman and then like changes and goes away and dies. There's no book. There's no written down anything there's no hellhound why there's no federalist papers saying like this is why these are the tradi- these are the traditions this is why we do what we do right i mean there's always a little bit of invention of tradition right mm-hmm. where um at some point believe it or not traditions had to start somewhere right they didn't just exist uh forever right, <laughs> right. Back, back to the caveman days right up, right like some point someone had to start something but then it becomes tradition right or we invest into it and then it becomes tradition, right? So just because something is invented, I don't think necessarily means it's not tradition. Some critics of tradition will say this, right? They'll be like, it's all invented anyway. Fuck you, right? Like, get rid of it. Practical training only, right? Might have been invented 200 years ago, but it's still invented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, you can invent a tradition of crud, which I think you were talking about earlier, which is like not huge in the RPA world, but it could be, right? It could be much more... Uh, leaned into right for example right not yeah. getting the specifics of uh i'm just i just think we're yeah we're we're the most vulnerable for a variety of re- we're, we're more abstract and then the way we're organized too adds to it as well like you said like the the just the pilot like the fact that we don't fly to ship right yeah and the fact that um, I mean, this is why bombers aren't as into it. You never had the bombers come out and play crud at Whiteman, right? I think if we had fighter pilot squadron there, they would have. Yeah. Right? But it's because how often are bombers in two ships, right? And B2s in particular yeah. are hardly going into targets multi-ship, right? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't know their TTPs, but, I, yeah, I, assume, lie, but so. I, pr- I presume they're just taking some big can of whoop-ass, Yeah, you know? Well, it was like, whereas a fighter is always going up as a two-ship. Right. I cannot plan, when I was in the map cell, the 6030 OC, I cannot plan a fighter as a one-ship. I don't think it exists. I don't think there are any tactics. Well, they, and then if I did, they would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Disapproved map brief. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the life of us, we cannot get an AOC to stick to like scheduling RPAs in a two-ship. Yeah. It cannot fucking happen. It happens for two days. I, somebody complains and it's fucking over. Yeah, I would love to talk about that when we do our AOC follow-up in more depth. Oh, there will be an AOC follow-up. Yeah, because that's going to be on the menu for that one. Okay. For sure. Um, got a, I got a lot of good notes on that uh, and war stories of trying to deal with that. But in this recent round, not just the original Terzi shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, man. Define, uh, so, 
So I think we're in agreement. Tradition is tremendously valuable, and it's, but it's, a, it's valuable in an abstract sense in that it's next order that creates the appropriate culture that brings out the best in individuals. Would you agree to that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And it makes it, it makes it possible for them to give their best to it. Cuz I don't want to give my best to some soulless corporate organization that doesn't give a fuck about fly me. by no night saying it's going to change next week. It has week. no history. Yeah. yeah. But if I feel like I'm part, like I'm at the I oh god if I'm at the ninth, right? <laughs> and like Ira, Ira Bong, Ira Bong and it's history. And that's like a really robust thing that people care about. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is, <laughs> but if it was, you got right? more than the 16th man. Yeah. If it was, then I would be, I would feel like I'm still going to do a certain amount of that because I am driven to do it for myself Right and my own legislating of my own greatness, yeah, and my own standards. But I would want to give more, and I have done that. Like when I truly felt that the twentieth, which I mean, I I maybe don't feel quite as strongly as I did about the twentieth as I did at one point, yeah. Now, but uh, there was a period where I really believed in the history of it and that this was truly the greatest MQ-9 squadron in the entire enterprise and would continue to be so. And we were building like a, f- a fundamental scaffolding that we were going to make into this huge skyline of MQ-9 greatness, right? I was willing to work way, 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 way harder even than I am for myself, Right. I felt like I was pouring into this, right? So, like, right. The, and you, when you say bring out the best in people, it's like the that sense of things makes that sacrifice and that effort a little more worthy. For sure. And it's not, right? I'm not saying people aren't going to show up and do the, what they got to do to make a paycheck or even make an impression. But there's, like, another level of effort that is impossible to get to without that sort of thing exist, without the sort of tradition and feeling of the organization behind it. Yeah. So in that sense, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, is there is there anything the RPA community as a whole could do to get to so to level up in that area? So I don't know about like RQ fours or the other. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Strike. Let's just go with MQ nine. Um, I think they right. They got their own issues. Um, I don't think. Yeah, they're going to be anything then. An AMC squadron. Who? Right. Like RQ4s and everybody else? Yeah. Like, like, like RC-135s, right? Like, yeah. I don't think there's going to be anything glorious. Like, there's something about the CAF. Combat Air Forces. What can the MQ-9 community do Yeah, um, to get there? Dude, I know there'd be a lot of whining and stuff about it, but, like, and maybe you'd turn off training at like one of these squadrons for like half a day, which I think, and you just say like, dude, we're doing a roll call at 2 p.m., mandatory event, right? And like, and we make it badass. This is a, we're going to not have training in the afternoon, but we're going to do this for like at least two hours, right? When the roll call is over and we're like in the open, whatever, telling you like, then you can leave if you want. Is this what dwell might allow? Yeah, maybe. 
that's probably the time to do it, right? You don't want to do this necessarily like monthly. Certainly in the combat squadron. Maybe quarterly. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think. Even even every six months, like if you did this. I think quarterly or biannual. Yeah. So everybody is there. Yeah. DO, squadron commander. Yeah. No. Senior enlisted leader. Everybody. Like a full on, like this isn't for funsies. Where should you have it? Squadron. Squadron bar. That's the only place, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Because uh, the RPA community is notorious for having it at other places. Oh, yeah. I, it's convenient sometimes, but I think it has to be in the squadron. Uh, I mean, I've had some good roll calls that have not been at the squadron, but I think overall it would be better if they were at the squadron. There is a perception that having them at the squadron is like, oh, we're having it at the squadron. <laughs> you know, like, right? Like, Dude, you're missing out. That's That's the point. Yeah, that is like in uniform. Yeah, right. Like everybody's in their flight suits or their ATCUs. Right? At, at at your with, and you can throw lays on or like have like augmenting things. But yeah, we're not in fucking cities, man. Right, you know, like that's the dude. Oof. oof. Yeah, I've I've been to new, they're, oof they're, on they're, the cities. They're primarily in cities. Yeah, yeah. Oof on the fucking cities. At least in the combat side of things, yeah. right? And uh, AETC six yeah. ninth and 29th is pretty has the. The 6th, 9th, and 29th probably has the best culture around those things because there tends to be a consistent mayor. Yeah. You have a squadron commander that's like literally just down the hall and probably shows up. Group commanders show up. Sometimes a wing commander shows up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody's in uniform. Yeah. Uh, I've seen studs roll up in civvies. That's because they, they need to be educated and kicked out. Yeah, but like the class was allowed to roll up in civvies, you know. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah. Military organization, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I, I but see, like, even when I'm saying that, right? Like, I want that to be true. That you could mandate this stuff. Dude, I think it's just not been that way in the MQ9 community for so long that I think there would be a lot of whinging and crying about it. Um I think like if you wanted dues, right? And you wanted oh, dude, dues, big land dues never work. <laughs> well, they they do at fire squadrons, right? Yes, because they have that culture. But I have never seen it function in an MQ9 squadron. It never fucking works. Yeah, you I might get landing fees. Yeah, you won't get fucking dues. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I guess I I want it to be so, but yeah, there's just there's just a certain amount of like degaff. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. That's like, that's just below the threshold of dues, right? Like, or I should say the gaff. Listen, man, I'll the pay gaff you. does not rise to the dues level. I'll pay the 20th tax squadron 20 bucks a month. Yeah. If the popcorn's always full, I got all the good fucking drinks that I can buy from the snack bar. I got all, well, dude, all the had, shit, right? They had that fucking espresso machine. You didn't see any of this. But <laughs> I heard that was $10,000. Dude, you can't. <laughs> That's confidential information. <laughs> a five-figure espresso machine? What the fuck? <laughs> no, but uh, it was pretty sweet, though. <laughs> I mean, it was meant to replace monsters. Yeah, yeah. And like be uh, it was justified as healthier. a healthy alternative for the caffeine ad- addicts among us, yeah. aka everyone. Yeah, right. So, yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, some Mormons who actually abide by the caffeine strictures. Yeah, but, uh, even then, likely not. 
<laughs> so, the, um, uh, yeah, so I would pay dues for all that stuff, but as, yeah, I, 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 I don't see the, like, I don't pay dues. I haven't paid dues. I have not paid dues to any squadron really because yeah. they, they stick. I'll pay them for like two months. Nobody cares. Nobody hassles me at roll calls for not paying dues. There's not like a roster of people that have paid dues and then they fear and yeah. shame me. After the fact, yeah, right? They need, to, they need to give, they need to put some teeth behind it, right? Like it's mandatory. Then give it to someone like me or you. Not that I'm, I'm more too long on the tooth, starting to get too long on the tooth to be like the ones running this shit. Yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, um, each squadron needs to have like a book of traditions yeah. that explains why and how they do certain things. And I frankly think there needs to be like an MQ9 throwdown. Like across the community, like this is what we do. Like that could be agreed upon at a Reaper Smoke um, or something yeah, like you that. Have to get O sixes together. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah. Get a bunch of O sixes <laughs> at Reaper Smoke together. Yeah, get them to buy in on some sort of like MQ nine booklet. Yeah, like a, like a contrails for all you Academy people out there, right, or something <laughs> like that. Like the little booklet, right, or yeah. something like that. That will talk about the different things and talk about the different, maybe even the different squadrons and like some of the shit that they do differently in the different squadrons, right. Maybe have the history of each squadron in that as well as like just MQ9 general traditions. Yeah. And then like, dude, this is the book. And if you want to, this is how shit's going to be like at Reaper Smoke or any like community wide events at like Red Flag or any LFEs or anything like this is how shit's going to be. And if if we can vote to amend it at the next Reaper Smoke or whatever. But dude, like, that'd be good. It's like an annual conference of the RPA squadrons. And yeah, it's a fucking thirty. Right. Mi- once you have it made, it's a thirty-minute meeting at a Reaper Smoke. Yeah. Right? To to if people got beef with certain aspects of it, I like it, dude. Honestly, this That's is a solid of, idea. I like that a lot. This is one of the things I dislike about crud. As much as I love crud, is that crud is such a. Everybody's got their own set of uh, their their goddamn house rules, right? And it's it's slightly yeah. different. Like it's like the big broad brushstrokes are cr- like similar, but the the devil's in the details, man. Yeah, and like how you define things, like wh- what penalties, like how cer- certain penalties get called, the names of things, right? The, the terminology, like you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And so I've tried to write a rule set that should just be used, like at Reaper Smoke. There's like the official rule set. I don't care what's in the rule set. Right, but I just think that there needs to be a rule set that everyone's kind of agreed on for this right. stuff. For a ver- there's a variety of reasons for that, but um, that's so hard to get people to buy in on that. Right, that there should be a rule set. It should be this rule set. Like you know, like frankly, Tink, right? Like always is like disagrees with my rule set, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't care. I don't care, man. Like, tell me what's wrong with the rule set. Like, what other people are gonna buy in? Yeah, but like. Maybe because I don't maybe understand some of the stuff because I was just on a little island at Whiteman inventing the tradition of crud at the 20th, yeah. which has since been the, they're the three time crud champions because there's three a, times, yeah, at, of Reaper Smoke, yeah, undefeated. I think all three tournaments, like, they haven't lost a single match, which is not which is to say, if you have athletes who know how to play, yeah, like there's a, there's a high ceiling, there's a high skill ceiling, right? Yeah, it's not just a fucking darts, right? Yeah. Well, I guess darts has a high skill ceiling too. Plowing, plowing ahead. You gotta invent some. F- you gotta have some rules here, even though that was an invention. Like so, right? We invented the tradition at the twentieth. 
very consciously, we're like, fuck it, we want to make crud a thing. So what is Reaper Smoke? Okay. It's, air quotes, tactical symposium, right? Well, it is. It is a tactical symposium. Yeah. It basically has two major events. Um, it is a tactical Top Gun style sim. Yeah. yeah, where everybody gets put through the same event and is graded on that criteria. And that shit's difficult, right? It's supposed to be the yeah. home station, the host, the host squadron constructs it. Okay. Now I could tell you that on our first one, we, our weapons officer slam maze went out of his way to make that very community agnostic and fair for like the South side versus the 25th attack. Yeah. You don't want to go throwing a whole bunch of close air support for squadrons that have yeah, never or done Or a it, bunch right? of like multi-ship TOTs, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like, and we'll leave it at that, right? But the um, alongside that, there is usually a crud competition. And usually, no, it isn't. There is no. There, there, there is. is. There is. Yeah. Uh, I did not actually go to the last one because I was on deployment. Um, I heard that they tried to de-emphasize the crud tournament, Oof. which I was a little bit uh, nonplussed about. They were meant to be co-equal. So what we said, what I said, and I actually wrote, like, I have, I have a ton of, like, continuity and, like, explanations for why all of the things exist, right? We're talking about, like, you need to have things written down. Yep. Uh, so I tried to do all this, um, to write all this stuff out, to, like, have continuity from year to year. But um, the, the CRUD tournament, right, is the, the really the where people come together in the fields of friendly strife. Because we're all on the sim you can't really see other people. We can't broadcast that. We can't watch it. It's not entertainment, right? Right. Um, the crud is like where we put our stuff together and we really fight it out, right? And like smash yeah, elbows. Yeah, the competition and, between yeah. squadrons. And, and, right, and it's more of the spectator event and really the social, like the social hub, the, the fields of friendly strife, the real physical competition when we see each other do stuff like that. Um, it was... Uh, Additionally, like I think a lot of squadron commanders and then O6s that come go to a lot of like conference style meetings and things that's happening in the background while the tactical competitions and the crud competition is going I mean, like the, the reality of AFA is that like, yeah. you know, Air Force uh, Association conferences, all the, all the real shit's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of similar. But that was what Reaper Smoke was, right? And it was taken from A-10s. Because, like, the Kansas City Hogs uh, in the A-10 community has hog smoke. Yeah. Um, There's also a, there used to be, I don't know if they still yeah. do it, but a competition called Gun Smoke. Yeah. Where everybody, all tactical aviators, like, communities yeah. would send their best crews to hit a target on time. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like trying to get into that larger tradition of the calf. Right. Yeah. In, in our own way. Um, and make it our own, but still be part of that uh vein of doing stuff right that the whole community there's an there's an mq9 identity not just a i'm an afsoc guy or a creech guy a south side guy or, or i'm a 25th attack group guy right um and i just me i just fly the mq9 right but then there's a shared thing across the entire rpa or mq9 uh community that, that played a little roughest last time right because the crud tables were at nellis yeah sims we're at Creech. Yeah, but that was a logistics thing that that unit, I think, yeah, was the 17th was dealing with. Yeah. 
And, and, and but that's like we're spread out. Yeah. Right. And Creech is this. I own. mean, they they could have gotten, but that's because they are underhanded, man. With Creed, with cred, right? They they don't have a tradition of cred at their squadron. Gotcha. Right. So they they don't have the tables or clubs or anything in their stuff. And this is why they wanted to, it was underplayed. I don't want to say they wanted to, but yeah, it was underplayed. I heard some reports that the some of the senior leaders, like from who were in charge of it, yeah, ownership of that event. We're kind of denigrating the crud aspect, like really emphasizing we're not here to just play crud, like da da da. da. So I don't know if they they didn't un- they didn't get the memo. They're probably missed. They're missing the larger point. Yeah, and, I, and that on a more practical level, that's just a f- good place to have be the social hub. Yeah, for people to watch and do stuff. And then on a less on a more first principles level, like that's a competition tradition, you know, right thing that we we could own. Right, we could own. Um, I want to really make it like an intramural on Holloman at yeah. Holloman with the MQ nine squadrons and the F 16 squadrons and even outside of that. And then have like big tournaments like once or twice a year. Right. And then eventually infect other bases Yeah, where like we have the base crud team or whatever that like goes plays other bases. Right? <laughs> so, like, obviously I don't know if that's possible, but um Certainly, we could accomplish all that at, here at Holloman. Like all of the pieces are in place. Like all the frame, the legit, the the fundamentals are there. You just need the willpower to do it. We're I not, would we're like not de- it. We're not dealing with shift work or all the other bullshit that like a calf squadron's dealing with. We could absolutely, we could absolutely do it here. It's possible. You just need to have dudes that play regularly. I mean, there's other things too that need to happen, like consistent refereeing. Like all these things need to be in place, written down. Yeah, I think it's uh, between, consistency that makes tradition. Yeah, and I want consistent rules, consistent crud masters, people consistently showing up. A fighters v robots trophy, right? And that the it's a cool trophy. The wing commander hands it to the winning guys at the end of the night. It sits in your bar that night, right? Yep. The rest of the year, right? And it's dude. I think people could really get into that. I don't know what but happened to, to it. it. There used to be, so back in like 2013 or so, you know, there was a, you know, relatively consistent crud scene here at Holloman. Med Group hosted a tournament and they, their Ooh. their prize was one of those like wooden bears that is carved out of like the trunk of a tree that's like so prevalent up here in Ruidoso and other places. So somebody won it. And then the 29th commander at the time, Gizmo, uh, stole this. He stole this trophy. Took it up into the mountains. Went up to this other guy's house. They stuffed it with tannerite, which is like dynamite, yeah. essentially, right? Yeah. And then they stepped back about 100 feet, and they started shooting it. <laughs> and they blew the shit out of this thing. Okay. <laughs> but then they took a handful of the shards of this wooden teddy bear, and they stuffed it inside of an urn, sealed it up, Mounted it on top of a thing and wrote on the side, like a little plaque, you know, whoever the f- the winner of the last crud tournament was. And the intent was, so then you'd shake it and you'd hear the, yeah, you'd hear the bear rattling inside of this urn. And that, that was supposed to become the, the Holloman crud. Dude, as a long, trophy. as a long way of saying fuck you to the med group's toy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or offering that kind of trophy, like something as epic as that. Yeah. Right. 
pretty epic. Dude, it's awesome. Pretty epic. <laughs> so let's wrap it up. Tradition is tremendously important to the Air Force, right? Um, it will aid in retention. It'll aid in meaning. It'll aid in like the mental health potentially of people in the combat community when they feel that they're a part of a larger thing. And then like uh, investment and work at work ethic. Yes. You will get stuff. more effort and more commitment and Even integrity and yeah. integrity first. Yeah. Well, I mean, service before self excellence in all we do. All of that can come. Makes sense in the context of a right. storied worthy right. organizational tradition. Right. And the RPA community is at the, at the the furthest end of trying to make that all work because we're ab, in a, an abstraction upon an abstraction. Yes, I'm not shooting a dude in the face, yeah, whose face I can see because I'm a, I'm in the Air Force, and then yeah. furthermore, I'm even in the states. Yep. So the RPA community has some struggles, but I, th- dude, we can get there. We have to like create our own traditions and hold on to them and like. Enforce them. View them and enforce them. Yeah, I think we gotta gotta write these fuckers down. Make more stuff mandatory. As much as like there's gonna be initial whining, like just bite the bullet and then write stuff down. Yeah, that's been signed and sealed. Oh man, been signed and sealed by the powers that be. But but I like the idea of O sixes having a their own sidebar. Yeah, at like a Reaper Smoke cultural event. Reaper Smoke is a cultural event. Yes. And so then you have the powers that be, the current blessed, you know, 732nd, 432nd, 25th attack group, 49th ops group, yeah. four colonels all sitting down, hashing well, and the whoever's shit out. from AFSOC. Uh, yeah, whatever, the, the yeah. 27th SOG. Yeah. Right, so you got those five guys, right, all together having this conversation. Maybe with any, maybe the only qualifications you need to be an 06. Yeah, Maybe. Or O five squadron command complete. Nah, there's squadron a squadron command complete, and and you have to show up to Reaper Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just there's a lot of O fives, and and then have that conversation, and you know, vote in a committee to change some of the the tenets of the RPA community. Right? That would be uh, that would be pretty solid. Yeah, agree on it in the first place. The Godfathers have spoken. Yeah. You put all their names at the end of it. I'm signing blood. Dude, yeah. Have it be like, have it be like in red, in like faux mauve just, ink. Just red ink. Have it be yeah. like in mauve ink just yeah. to like. <laughs> to really drive it home for them. Yeah. 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 Uh, that would be awesome. Um, Yogi, I'm super glad that you're back. Uh, dude, I really. From the war. Dude, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I think uh, I think it was better than it has any right to be. <laughs> To be honest, I think I, we, I concur. It, it, is, it is very good to have you back uh, in the States, um, even if just for the audio quality. But uh, <laughs> um, I think everybody's going to enjoy this one. And um, for anybody listening, uh, if you enjoyed it, hit us up on uh, Twitter, Lost Link Podcast there. You can also hit us at lostlink.co. There's a feedback function there, and hopefully we can add some more, more stuff there eventually. Maybe we'll put Yogi's uh, rules of crud up there. Who knows? But this is this is how things get started. What do you think, Yogi? See ya. See ya.